All right. Thank you, Mr. Kerr. All right, um, got to put this up. I am so humbled um, and excited to be here and share with you. And I just want to take a moment to honor our lead pastor, for those of you who know him and for those maybe some of you don't. Um, it is an honor, Aaron Kerr, to serve under you. Um, we are so blessed to have him um, as our lead with his heart and his love uh, for the people of this church and also of this city. So thank you for the privilege of being under your leadership. You are welcome. All right, join me in a prayer. Um, Father, we are here for you, and you are so good, and you are so full of love. Lord, and we want to learn more about you, and we want to learn more about who you created us to be. So we dedicate this time to you, and I ask, Lord, that you would touch each and every person in this room uniquely and personally um, as we speak about your goodness, and we reference your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so today we are in our series, This is the New That, which um, addresses how we define life in many ways based on what culture tells us and what the world says um, should be our pursuits. And when Jesus came to earth, he flipped upside down so many of those understandings and said, my kingdom is different than the kingdom of the world. And he demonstrates that. So today the sermon title is called The Unexpected Road. Because in life, we all have the choice of which road we're going to take, which road we're going to walk down, right? And sometimes we base those decisions on what other people are doing. Sometimes we base those decisions on what we think is best. Sometimes we turn to God and look and wait for him to direct that path. Um, but for me, many times in my life, I have found myself walking down a road that looks right, that feels right, that seems good, that everyone else has done and been successful at, yet I find myself feeling like I'm close to death of my soul. And some of those, we have a slide here, some of those feelings that I have found myself feeling lonely, feeling exhausted in, in physical body and in soul, um, feeling anxiety and fear and worry constantly. I notice that when we get to this place, a lot of times we start comparing. So we start to compare ourselves, like why did it work for this person? Why didn't it work for me? What do they have that I don't have? and we start feeling worse about ourselves because we're comparing ourselves to other people. We become harsh towards others because when our soul is filled with exhaustion and anxiety and fear and, and comparison, we, don't ha we lack the patience and the love for other people. So we, we become harsh to the people around us that we love the most. And we can also become controlling and stubborn. Control is a mask for fear. Um, I've, I've definitely felt that in my life where I go down a road and I think it's supposed to work and I'm, fear is being exposed, and so I try so hard to make it work. Does anyone else relate oh, yeah. to these? So I believe that there's many of us in this room that are finding ourselves in this right here. Sometimes it's just one piece of our life. So it's possible that maybe our career or our business is going fantastic, but maybe a relationship. Maybe we're here with a relationship. Or maybe it's the other way around. For some of us, Maybe everything in our life is at this point. And so I'm glad that you're here because we're going to unpack how do we choose a different road. So the scripture today that we're basing this off is Matthew 16, 25. If you try to hang on to your life, so this is Jesus talking to Peter. And Peter is addressing something with Jesus saying, no, no, that can't be the way. You, you can't die. Somebody can't. I won't allow them to take you to death. You can't die. And Jesus says, He's explaining to him 
after he, under, he told Peter that he didn't, have, he didn't understand the ways of heaven. He's saying, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Like, what? Isn't Jesus in the business of saving lives? What does he mean when he's saying if you lose your life? What he means is that we have the choice, and he's given us the choice to choose the paths in life and the roads in life to pursue what we want versus to pursue what God has for us. See, he created us to be his God, to, for him to be our God, and for us to rely on him and trust him and wait on him and be obedient to him. But most of us, many of us, <laughs> don't like doing that until we learn that it's what's best. So Jesus demonstrates in Luke 22:42, the night before he was betrayed and he went to the cross, he demonstrates submission in, with the most beautiful heart where he says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. So he is saying what we feel a lot of times. I feel this nudging. I feel God's calling me to do something. I don't want to do it. He's saying, I don't, want to go, I don't want to go down that road of suffering. Is there another way? Can you provide me another way to do this? But if not, is immediate submission. But if not, your will be done. I will choose your way. And this is such a, a beautiful example of submission. But for most of us, starting with myself, this isn't the way that I've gotten to that point. It's been a much more bumpy road. So we are going to dive into the story of Jonah and look at his life and what it looked like for him to get to that point. Who knows the story of Jonah? Some of you are like, I thought that was only taught in the children's ministry. <laughs> no, it's Jonah and the big fish. We are diving into it here. So it starts off with the word of the Lord came to Jonah. This is Jonah 1. And God says to Jonah, get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, and preach against it because their evil has come up before me. So God is speaking very, very clearly to Jonah. And some of you might be thinking, well, this story doesn't apply to me because I don't hear God's voice. And it's a good day for you if that's what you're thinking because I love teaching people how to hear God's voice. And I'm going to share part of that in my story a little bit later about how I got there. But I will say that God sometimes speaks in an audible voice. Very rarely, so don't wait for it. Sometimes, there's a lot of different ways that he speaks. Sometimes he'll speak in our minds and it'll sound like an audible voice in the way that when we speak to ourselves or we think something out loud in our mind, not with our words, the way that that, that sounds in our, in our mind, sometimes he speaks like that. He speaks through the word a lot. So when we're reading the scripture, if we want God to speak, ask him. Say, explain this to me, bring this to life, teach me. And when you get to a part where something in you just goes, whoa, I don't understand that. What is this? This is interesting. Read it. Read it again. Read it again. Soak in it. Talk to somebody about it. It's how God speaks through his word. It's so exciting. But many times, God will speak through an impression upon our spirit. He is a spirit, and we have a spirit. And so he'll speak directly to our spirit. And a lot of times what that feels like is like a gut instinct. And it's not a feeling, it's not something like, I feel happiness and I feel sadness. We don't want to be, we don't want to dictate what we do based on our feelings. But I'm sure you can, you can relate to how a gut instinct feels different than an emotion of happiness or status, right? So if your gut instinct is in alignment with the truths in the Bible, it is God speaking to you. And if you don't know what the truths are in the Bible, 
there's a really easy way to find out. You can come to any of pastors, leaders at this church, any of your friends that are biblically sound, and say, hey, I'm really feeling this nudging. Is this in alignment with God's word? And oftentimes, we already know. So what this might look like is maybe some of us, well, actually, let me, let me first share with you what Jonah does when he hears this word. To give you some backstory, Nineveh is a very sinful city. Some scholars have equated it to like our modern day Las Vegas. Very big city. What if God came to you and said, get up, go to Las Vegas, and tell them that they're sinful? You'd be like, um, you've got the wrong gal. <laughs> like, I'm not doing that, right? And that's exactly what Jonah does. Jonah, Jonah got up, we have a scripture, to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. So he is on a town by the, in the Mediterranean, and Nineveh is in modern-day northern Iraq. And where he wants to go to Tarshish is, is believed to be like Spain or western Morocco, like as far as he could possibly get. And so Jonah pretends like he doesn't hear what God is saying. And I so relate to Jonah because I've been here. And in my mind, I, it's actually, I, I, I laugh because I relate to it. And in my mind, this is only in my mind, I kind of had this visual of God telling Jonah, go to Nineveh. And for some reason, in my head, Jonah picks up a backpack and he's like, what? And he just turns around and just starts walking the other direction. He's like, I didn't hear that. I'm just going to go this way. Has anyone else done this? Why do we do that? And what if we don't hear God's voice? Well, I believe that we all hear nudgings on our spirit. So maybe we know that there's somebody that we're supposed to forgive, but we ignore it. Maybe we know that we should deal with our anger, but we ignore it. Maybe we know that we should deal with an addiction, but we ignore it. Maybe we feel like there is something emotionally or something from our past that we should really get healing from, but we ignore it. Maybe we feel a nudging from God to step out and serve but we ignore it. Maybe we feel like, I really want to be committed. I really should be committed to reading the Bible or to, you know, maybe we feel like I want to, I want to know God more and I feel like drawn in to know him more and be in his word and pray, but we ignore it. And this is exactly what Jonah did. I can so relate to Jonah. So what happens is he goes and he gets on a boat to go as far away as he can and he tells the people on the boat that he's running from his God. And there is, so who laughed at that, <laughs> Julie? <laughs> you can relate. <laughs> so he's on the boat, and all of a sudden there's a massive storm, like massive storm. And he's sleeping, and the guys on the boat wake him up, and, they're, and everyone's panicking. And they're trying to figure out, why, where is this storm coming from? Who brought on this storm? And there's a series of events that happen, and, and basically Jonah finally gets to the point where he says, it's me, I'm fleeing from my God, I, I, I've caused this storm. And he says, throw me overboard, the storm will stop. So eventually that happens because it's literally like everyone on the boat feels like they're gonna go down and we're all gonna die or it's just gonna be Jonah. So they toss him over. And Jonah in his prayer says that he's sinking deep down in the water and the seaweed is covering over him and he feels like he's at the jaw, he says at the jaws of death. And I can so relate to this feeling when I get like those bullet points, when I get to that road of life where I just feel like my soul's about to die because I'm living in anxiety and worry and fear and 
um, I'm, I find myself being harsh towards others. And so in that moment, what brings Jonah to call out to God? He's got nothing left. He's either going to die or he's going to reach out to God for help. And so he reaches out to God for help. And what happens is he gets swallowed by a big fish. So Aaron and I had a fun conversation this week. And I was saying, okay, how should I address? Like, I believe the truth. He's already laughing. I believe that this actually happened. But I have a feeling there's probably some adults in this room that are going to have trouble believing that a man was swallowed by a big fish. So how, how should I address this, Aaron? You're the lead pastor. Can you give me some tips? And, you know, it was, it was so fun because, like, you already said is, our God does crazy things. Our God can part the Red Sea. If God can part the Red Sea, if he can flood the earth, if he can bring dead people back to life, then he can have a big fish swallow a man. And you know what? I don't want a God that can't do crazy things. I don't want a God that can do everything that I can understand. I want a God whose knowledge and wisdom and power is so much greater than my own that I say, whoa, that is crazy. Amen? Amen. All right. So many of us think in hearing this story, or maybe we know this story, that being swallowed by the fish is God's judgment. And yet it's not. It's God's mercy. Because Jonah was at the jaws of death. The fish swallows him and gives him life. And in the belly of the fish, Jonah says a prayer. Jonah, from Jonah 2, it's up on the screen. But you, O Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remember the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercy. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. So what God was communicating and showing Jonah through this whole exercise of the storm on the boat, and him falling in the water, and then him almost dying, and him turning back to God, and then the mercy of him being saved by the fish, is God showing him, when you go down your chosen path for life, that is not my will for you, it will end in the death of something. Like for Jonah, it was a physical death. For us, it might be a relational death. It might be the death of, of our calling. We might never know who we truly are in Christ. We might remain so broken that we never get to experience the abundance of life. God's saying to Jonah, what I have for you, it has eternal impact. And what I can do for you is so much greater than you could ever accomplish on your own. So as soon as, this is one of my favorite parts of the story, as soon as Jonah says this prayer, his heart turns back to God. He says, God, I'm in. I will live for you. Essentially, that's what God is asking Jonah. Will you live for me? Will you live for me? Then the Lord ordered the fish to, to spit Jonah out onto the beach. It's probably pretty nasty. But my favorite part of the story is that right after that, in Jonah 3.2, then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. How many of us think that God's going to condemn Jonah? How many of us think that God's going to say, all right, we got to talk, because I told you to go this way, you went this way, look what happened, I need to reinforce, is, that what, is this what God did? No. Is this what we would do to our children? Yeah. Probably. <laughs> but God said, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time, Jonah obeyed. And you know what this tells us? 
God did not condemn Jonah. God did not sideline Jonah and say, you were disobedient, so you don't get to move forward in your purpose. I I'm going to take that from you. I'm going to withhold things from you because you disobeyed. No. He, he, his purpose remained. Jonah went to the city of Nineveh. He did what God asked him to do, and he had eternal rewards and benefits from it. Nineveh had was estimated 300,000 people living there. And Jonah spoke and gave the message that God gave him to deliver, and the people of Nineveh turned from their ways, and God's mercy prevailed over judgment for all of those people. Jonah is written about and accounted in the Bible for all of time. And when Jesus was on the earth, he even referenced the story of Jonah going to Nineveh. So see, God's plan was unexpected. It was not what Jonah wanted. But it was so much greater. His purpose was so much greater. And for those of us that feel like our, we can't live our purpose, God doesn't have good things for us because of what I've done, I am here to tell you that is not true. I'm going to share a little bit of my story in that way. But God did not sideline Jonah. He said, awesome, your heart's where it needs to be to go and do great works for me. I love you, you're my son, go and join me in my work. Join me in rescuing my people and bringing them back to me. And Jonah went, it's exciting, right? The other thing that I learned from the story of Jonah is that the road that we, that we choose affects the people around us, whether we like it to or not, whether we realize it or not. So a lot of times the difference between a road that we might choose versus a path that God has for us is that when we walk down the road that we want, it's often through the lens of self. And that, that's what I did. When I was in my early 20s, I knew the Lord, but I decided that I wanted to live life the way that I wanted to live life. And I wanted to get married when I wanted to, and I wanted to make my life about power and accumulating things, and I wanted to... Uh, make the milestones in my life about accumulating the house and the vacations and this and that. And that's what I wanted to make my life about. And God had a totally different plan. But that, you see, I was in self mode. I was thinking about me and what do I want and what's going to make my life good. And, and that will often, this is a good indicator, is how am I thinking? Am I thinking about myself or not? God, God's way, God's writing a bigger story. God cares deeply about the intimate needs that you have. He cares about your heart. He cares about every tear that you shed. He cares about what's important to you. Your personal needs do not go unnoticed by God. He loves you and he provides. But he's also writing a bigger story that is, matters for all of eternity. That's about his kingdom and his redemption story of coming to earth to bring back his sons and daughters to be with him forever. And we get to be a part of that story. So it's focused on the greater good of what God is doing on the earth. Jonah, when he went his way instead of God's way, ended up on the boat. The storm came, and it affected every single person on that boat. So that road Jonah took had negative impact on the people around him, to the point where they believed they were going to die with Jonah. But then on the flip side, when Jonah takes the road that God asks him to, he goes to Nineveh and positively impacts what is estimated to be 300,000 people. So the path that we choose will affect. It'll start with our family. It'll start with the people that we love the most. And it will bleed out into everyone that we are meant to influence in our life. Whether it's through work or through our church or through the gym or wherever it is that you're connected. 
So our first fill-in is that self-sacrifice is the new way to truly live. So the message translation of Matthew 16, 25, which is the verse that we started with, actually says self-sacrifice is the way to truly find ourself. Because our true self, what God created us to be and to do, is reflected in his greater plan. Self-sacrifice is the new way to truly live. So I'm going to share a little bit of my story and how it models the story of Jonah. I, let, I kind of let you know how, what my first road looked like. And for me, when I was in the storm and falling to the bottom of the ocean is when I found myself in 2013 in a very challenging marriage with two little babies and a career. And I was trying to keep myself and my babies emotionally safe. And it was a very, very hard time. And I'm pretty strong-willed, so it took a lot, just like Jonah. And I had a moment where I like to say, the way I tell the story is that I waved my white flag of surrender. It's like, okay, Jesus, I tried it my way. I've been working so hard. I've been doing everything right. And it's not working. So I'll try you. And I already had known the Lord. But just because we know the Lord does not mean we're in submission to his will for our life. It does not mean that we're following him and we're living. We might be saved, but we might not be free. We might be saved, but we might not be living out our purpose. And that was me until I waved my white flag of surrender. And, you know, putting my faith into action was really important at this point of my life. And what that looks like was I signed up for Rooted. Now, Rooted, this is not a plug for Rooted, but Rooted is not a marriage counseling class. It's not a savior marriage class. It has nothing to do with marriage. But it was my way of reaching out to God and saying, okay, I'm going to try it your way. I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to let you handle this. And so it was, I was just grabbing on for any piece of Jesus that I could. And you know what? God honored that, which is so beautiful, how he just catches us, kind of like he caught Jonah in the belly of the fish. And he honored that. And in Rooted, I had the most tangible experience with the presence of God that I've ever had. And I felt his holiness. I felt his peace. I felt his sovereignty. And I felt so comfortable and good in that place because I knew that he had it all together. And I'm not just saying this. This experience actually changed the rest of my life because we can't experience the presence of God and leave unchanged. And so I started, I was so hungry for more. I was so excited for more. You see that point of waving the white flag, that was the hardest point. And from there, it started to become so exciting because it was this journey of getting to know who God is in a deeper way because I was hungry for it like I wasn't before. And I started to pray different. And what the unexpected road might look like is I was afraid, so early 2014, I was in Rooted, and I was afraid to pray out loud in Rooted. And who laughed? Because <laughs> you know me now. And before that, I was in Mops. Anyone in Mops? Anyone ever do Mops? Mothers or preschoolers? Yes. So in Mops, I like kind of was ready to be a table leader. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And I wouldn't tell anyone why, but it's because at the end of Mops, we, the table leaders had to pray out loud. I was like, I don't do that. I actually did pray at home. I don't know if you guys know, the curs know the story. <laughs> uh, I actually did pray at home and I had a couple of 
of a couple over 10 years or so of stories of hearing God's voice where he really moved, but I was not in daily prayer. I was afraid to pray out loud. And so after this experience with God's presence in Rooted, I started to pray different. And I wanted to know what God created me for. God, what's my purpose? And then that prayer changed. It's like God changed my heart. And my prayer went from what's my purpose to I am so in love with your presence. I just love you and getting to know you. And, 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 I, and I still don't fully, fully know him, but I just knew a little bit of him. But I was so in love with him that I said, instead of what's my purpose, I said, let people see on the outside what I feel on the inside about you. And so you know what God did? He said, Michelle, go lead a prayer group. <laughs> and I was like, me? What? Really? One year after I started Rooted, I started to lead a prayer group for moms. And God took me through the most amazing journey of showing me that not only could I trust him, not only does he speak, but when I put, we have a, we have a slide, when I put my trust, and by faith into the promises of the Bible, it is a game changer and a lifesaver. So I learned these things. I learned that God speaks. I learned that when I, put, when I put belief and faith behind the promises of the Bible and I pray those out and I lean on those, like my life depends on it because it does, I was able to see the power of God. And I could relate to the people who don't know how to hear God's voice. So you see God's it's an unexpected road. I never thought I would be standing up here and, and being able to share about, about God's stories and about God's truth and about who he is. I never thought I would be praying out loud, let alone teaching people how to pray. But that's what God created me for, and it's, the, it's been the most exciting journey to discover that and find that. And I can't wait to get to heaven to understand the impact that it's, it's, which I pray is greater than what I can see in, in this life. And so what happened in the story, this is the good part of the story, what happened in the marriage was, sadly, the marriage ended in divorce three years after this happened. And I thought that this would destroy me. It was not what I wanted for myself. It was not what I wanted for my kids. I wanted the happy family. I wanted the vacations. I wanted the perfect children. And I also thought that it would destroy and take me out of my calling in the church. Because how could... I serve God with a stain like divorce. And yet because of this, God showed me his grace and his love in a way that I could not have understood if I didn't walk through it. And what happened was, instead of me being angry at God, how did this happen, God? Why did you put me here? Well, why is this ending like this? I was able to see and understand and have the perspective that I got here because of a series of choices that I made. And I actually chose a different road than before I got married, than what God was having me on. And I realized that, and then I said, wow, God, I wasn't really surrendered to you. I wasn't really taking your path. I wasn't really following you, but you stayed with me because you answered that prayer and you answered this prayer. And, and when I came back to you and I went to Rooted, you, you came to me and you gave me a purpose. And oh my gosh, you gave me children. And, and why, God, why would you, why? Why am I deserving of these things? And you know what, you know what I, I, I heard inside of my being that just like permeated my, my, all of who I am? 
I love you, and this is my grace. See, before I used to understand grace in my head, like it's the undeserved favor of God. I know what the definition is. It's the undeserved favor of God. I get to go to heaven one day because I believe in Jesus because that's the undeserved favor of God. I'm saved by grace. And then I realized what it really meant. I'm not deserving of life to the fullest. I'm not deserving of all the gifts that God gives me. I'm not deserving of hearing his voice. I'm not deserving of serving him and joining him in his family business. But he chooses to bring us in because he loves us so much. And so you see, walking through the thing that I thought would destroy me actually taught me about the grace and the love of God. And because I kept seeking God in an intense way, I was restored in service in the church. And God did not have my purpose taken away from me, just like Jonah's wasn't taken away from him. And so I'm here to tell you that no matter what you've been through, that God has a purpose for you. He will use you, and your past can be your past. And God has a whole new life for you and work that matters for all of eternity. Is that good news? So I'm going to give you some practical things. What does God's promise look like on the unexpected road? So there's some bullet points here. We started with a list of how do, where, where do we get to when we find ourselves on the wrong road? Well, what is the road that God asks us, the will that God has for us, what he, he asks us to do? What is, what is the benefit? What is the byproduct of that? It's being known instead of being lonely. That in finding our true self, we see how much God uniquely sees us and, and knows us. We get to live in rhythms of rest. God teaches us to live in rhythms of rest for our physical body and for our soul. Instead of living in fear and in anxiety, we get to live in shalom and in peace. Instead of comparing ourselves to other people, he gives us a heart of compassion. And instead of being harsh towards others, we have the capacity to love the people around us. And instead of being controlling, we get to live in freedom. And we get supernatural favor from God. It's pretty compelling to me. So what Jesus is asking is he's saying, I give you choice to live your life for the, in the pursuit of what you want. But will you live for me? I love you. Will you live for me? He asked this to his disciples. And he's asking this to you today. Will you live for me. What does it look like? Just to give you some, a couple more practical tips. We don't have to worry about how do we stay on the right path. All we have to be concerned with is chasing God and getting to know God in, a, in an authentic way. Choosing him, surrendering, saying your way, not my way is a daily thing. It is a process. I had one moment of my big white flag surrender, but it is still a process. There's different things in my life that come up that God asked me to lay down. I've recently had to do that. I still struggle with it, but my level of trust in God is greater. And so it's like I'm moving the needle closer to the heart of surrender that Jesus had in the garden. Because the more we get to know the heart of God, the more we can trust him, the easier it becomes. It's still hard. It's still a process. But our only concern is just an open heart of submission to the Lord every day. A heart of prayer that really is just, God, I choose you. I choose you. And I want to be open to everything that you have for me today. 
Let me love the people in the way that you, you have for me. Let me pursue the things that you have for me. God, my life, I want to live for you, period. God is a shepherd, so we don't have to worry about, are we on the right path? Yes, it's good to reflect. It's good to seek counsel. That's all biblical. But the, the, the most important pursuit is that of our hearts, that we're committed to God. And sometimes we might get off the path a little bit, and that's why the shepherd has his rod, and he just steers you right back. And sometimes we might go this way, and God just steers us right back. And that's why it's so important every day to have that heart. So we get those nudges before we're really off track. Do we trust God? This might be hard to do for those of us that feel like we don't trust God. Jonah, after he went to Nineveh, wrestled with God. There's a whole story. You can go in the Bible and read it. He had still had questions with God. For me, when I surrendered, did I trust God completely? No. My level of trust today is so much greater than it was. And I believe that 10 years from now, my level of trust will be greater than it is today because it's a journey and a process. So the point is, is we don't have to be all in. We're just moving the needle a little bit that it feels a little bit risky to say, yes, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Trust is something that's built up over time, just like it is in relationship with, with humans. We're in relationship with somebody, and if they do what they say they're going to do, it builds trust. And then over time, we feel like the trust grows, right? It's the same thing with God. When we spend time with him, he builds our trust in him grows, and this process becomes easier and easier. So I want to read over you a promise that God has from Psalms 19. The worship team is going to come up. And this is, this is God's promise to us. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making the wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart, and the commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. And this is a promise for you and for me. What God is saying is that his instructions, they bring revival, they bring wisdom, and they bring joy. Those are all things that we want. Am I right? Yes. Revival for the soul. He makes the wise making the wise simple and bringing joy to the heart. Revival, wisdom, and joy. Nothing is better. So the question today that Jesus is asking you is will you live for him? So we're going to give you a minute just of silence. The last fill-in before we get there is to trust God enough to let him lead. One of the translations um, of Matthew, I like looking at different translations. One of the other translations of Matthew, the first verse we started with said, you're not in the driver's seat. You're not in control of your life. Let God lead. How can we let God lead if we don't trust him? We can start small, moving in that direction to get to know him. So the question is, which area of my life can I live for the Lord? And what step can I take in the journey to trust him? So we're going to give you that time. 